baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. Let's get straight into the interview here. Super excited to welcome my next guest on The Rachel Zimmerman Show, George Mayhew, dining editor of St. Louis Magazine and podcast host of Arch Eats. George, it's so good to see you. Thank Thanks you. for coming in. Thank you. Yeah, long time dining editor, long time restaurant guy. You can call me an OG because it's legit. I'm definitely as old as anybody in the business around St. Louis. So, yeah, I definitely call you an OG. That's why I wanted to have you on because I've known you for many years now as the dining editor of St. Louis Magazine. But I want to know, first of all, like, what did you study in school? Did you know you were going to get into restaurants? What's your whole history yeah, in the, the restaurant That's business? the crazy part about it. Everybody says, oh, you're a, you know, where did you go to J school? I said, well, I went to Mizzou, but I didn't go to J school. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was an econ major. Wow. And that's what everybody like, well, but you know, how did you learn? I I didn't take an English class. I didn't I didn't uh, I wasn't prepared for that at all. The only reason I'm in the restaurant business is cuz I started in restaurants when I was in in Columbia, my final year at Columbia. And uh uh it was it was great. I started at a place like it was the quote nicest place in town. It had just opened a place called Harvest Moon, big leather chairs, you know, steak, lobster, crab legs, that kind of place. And it was just where you wanted that was the place to work. And so I walked in there one day with a friend and it was before a big football game. I go this guy's desperate for help. We're going to, you know, we're, we're going to get a job here. So we started off asking to be a waiter. And then he goes, I got enough waiters. How about a bartender? I got enough bartenders. Anyway, long story short, we worked at the salad bar for a month or two. Oh, wow. And that's where I got my start in Columbia Mo, cutting tomatoes and cucumbers. And it's, it either went up or downhill from there, depending on how you look at it. But, uh, yeah, so I started down there, and I, I ended up running a place for several years that was kind of like a hula hands, but it was actually twice the size. Oh, wow. So uh, it was this, I had 100, uh, 100 and a quarter to 150 employees at any one time. I mean, wow. you know, I was running this when I was in, in my 20s. It was, it kept me really busy because these folks, I wasn't a whole lot older than, than the employees. It was great because they were all grad students, smart people, you know, I didn't have any the labor problems they're having today, it was that part of it was really easy. But it was a really cool restaurant. And, um, you know, uh, you see a lot of uh, folks come through there, obviously, at a hundred and a quarter at a time. Um, Claire McCaskill worked for me. Wow. She was a she was a waitress and (laughs) didn't take any guff from anybody. Not surprising. No. And uh, who else? Um, Pam Jones, who later became the CEO of Enterprise Leasing. She was wow. a cocktail waitress. And uh, the most famous one is Brad Pitt. No, you, he you did might, not. You might have heard of him. He was, he was bus, Brad the bus boy. He worked for you. He worked for me. And, um, you know, and somebody said, do you remember? I go, I, re- I said, that was Brad Pitt. It, it, I didn't really make the association. He was kind of this quiet, shy, not very good bus boy. <laughs> and a journal student, uh, a J student at, at Columbia. And, 
Yeah, so he was a busboy there for a while. But anyway, that was... You, whenever, I'm sorry, you didn't notice, like, the most gorgeous man he on the wasn't, planet? He wasn't... He's gotten more gorgeous as the years go yeah, on. Yeah, that's true. He was just kind of a an average-looking, shy guy that I wouldn't have even thought twice about. And um, like I said, he didn't aspire to be a waiter, and he didn't stand out. And uh, he said, you know, yeah, Brad the busboy. I go, that was Brad Pitt? Anyway, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. So, so that was that was a, a crazy time. Came back to St. Louis, um, started in a place out in De Pere called Rick's Cafe Americana, which you're probably too too young to know about, but it was like the place in De Pere at the time, and uh, it was it was great fun. Ended up getting out of the business for a while to do some other things, some property development. And I just thought I'd just take a break, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my thirties. And um, ended up, uh, I guess it was in the low 90s, uh, a friend of mine was the uh, publisher of St. Louis Magazine. And I said, you know what, I've always wanted to, you know, write a review. Actually, he was my reviewer when I was in Columbia. I said, I want to turn the tables. I want to write a review for you now. And he said, okay, I guess so. Anyway, he let me do it. And uh, he let me do another one because he liked it. This is at the time when... um, uh, there wasn't like a critic. There were like six reviews, and we were all writing under pseudonyms, which was kind of a weird thing. But instead of you open the spread of the magazine, instead of seeing this one big review, you saw these six mini reviews. And so I was one of those guys, and my pseudonym was Arnie Boy, B-O-Y-E. Arnie was my dog. So I was Arnie Boy for a, a year. And then, anyway, long story short, uh, I, I took on more responsibility, and, and they, they, they made me the, the dining editor there eventually. This was in the low 90s at St. Louis Magazine. I was the first dining editor for the magazine, and apparently I was the first dining editor at a city magazine in the country. It was, it's been a part-time job. <laughs> I managed to make it a full-time job. And uh, so that's what I did, and I was the, you know, I wrote all the articles, and that's when the magazine was this skinny little unprofitable thing. It's gone come a long way since then, but... Uh, I, I I did that for a while, and then people were saying, you know, you know so much, and you know you you've you've been in the business, and you can tell it from, uh, you know, your writings, and you know you should really do some consulting and 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 spread your knowledge around. So that's what I ended up doing with a guy named Charlie Downs, who's the Sugar Fire okay. owner now. Charlie and I started a consulting company uh, in the mid '90s, and we did that for a while, and um, our main claim to fame was we were secret shoppers. We didn't know where this would go. We would tell people to get into business, get out of business, advise them as to what they should do, uh, write menus, write, do costing. But it was, it was, that's what we ended up doing the most of, which was crazy. We, people would hire, hire us to spot their bars. So we'd sit at a bar for a couple hours, make notes on our, you know, lap and watch guys basically stealing. Wow. You know, either, either outright or, or, you know, giving their friends drinks or, you know, uh, overpouring or spilling or whatever it might be. And uh, so guys would call us up and they said, I, I think I'm having a problem here. Can you come out and look at this? And 100 percent of the time we we were successful. So these guys thoughts were and fears were were valid. And so we would extrapolate and go, okay, this guy's been pouring this or spilling that. And he works, you know, how many hours a day, how many days a week? And we figured out and we said, you know, at retail prices, this guy's costing you twenty grand a year. You know, you can decide what you want to do with them, but here are our findings. And it was like this giant light bulb would go off, and uh, I don't think restaurant owners even 
bother to add it all up. What several given drinks given away or spilled drinks or a few bucks in the pocket can add up to over a, the course of a year. You got a couple guys back there that are doing that. That's that's a lot of money. So So you were doing the bar rescue thing like way before yes, John Taffer. Exactly. And it was and it was really really fun and we really enjoyed it and then we you got to be a little old to be hanging out at, at a bar, you know? So we ended up working for the Emo family, Margin Ed Emo who hired us as consultants as the liaison between the franchisee and the franchisor, the emo family. And and we would secret shop all their stores. And we did that. I did that for, I think, two and a half, three years. I went to emo stores every day, five days a week for, I think, two and a half years. And we would report to Mrs. Emo every Friday. It was it was really fun. We would compare and contrast the stores. This guy's doing it. And we'd write them all reports and let them know how they were doing uh, up against the other stores, like you're doing much better here. Your place is filthy and most people's aren't or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it was really, uh, it was just a fascinating thing to do. And and uh, again, I never thought we'd be in that position. And eventually Mrs. Emo gave us a store, which is what we kind of wanted the whole time. Because in those days, an Emo store was like having an AB franchise. It was just, the they, they made a lot of money. It's when you know, food costs were, were dirt cheap and they were getting good money for their pizzas and the Emo's Pizza guys were, were making a, a hauling. So we were like, you know, whenever you want to give us a store, that would be just great. So we ended up with the store at the Lake of the Ozarks. So I ended up, I was at a place called Harvest. Do you remember Harvest in the 90s? I do not. It was a really, it was a fine dining restaurant in Richmond Heights that was one of our uh, results of some of our consulting, but we ended up opening a place called Harvest, which most, I think, most of the listeners that were around there will remember that. And um, I went from Harvest, which was a, <clears throat> you know, a nice, I was the front of the house guy, so I had a, a jacket on and a nice shirt. And I went from there, we got bought out of Harvest, and, and my next job was was doing this Emos thing, and we got the store at the lake. So I went from, you know, this jacket and a nice button-down shirt to the Lake of the Ozarks, pizza store where I wore a swimming suit to work every day. <laughs> and it was like, and this was literally back to back, right? It was, it was just crazy. So I've got plenty of Lake of the Ozark stories too, but that was just, you know, some of the things I've done and, and ended up getting into, uh, back into the magazine. Um, I guess it was in 2006. Uh, they put an, an ad out for freelance writers and, uh, I, I called them. I said, you know, I, I would, I would take that job, and I told them who I was. They go, "What? You used to work here?" I said, "Yeah, I, I used to be the dining editor." They go, "You just want your old job back?" And I said, "Yeah," and that's how it started. So I've been full time at the magazine since two thousand and six. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams, all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. we come back, part two of my interview with George Mayhew. Obviously, you live and breathe restaurants. When when did you have that realization, though? Was it when you were working the salad bar? Was it when you were running your first place? It was when I was running. Uh, it was it was the first job I had, yeah, when we were doing the salad bar. I think what, what really 
what really sold me on it is the guy that owned the place, the co-owner, the guy who was the managing partner, had never run a restaurant before. He had no idea what was going on. So he listened to every word that any one of us said. If there was a suggestion, he'd take it to heart. He would, you know, what do you guys think about this? And that's really an important part of the job when you can provide feedback and be listened to. You know, that's been proven since then. It's Those, those incentives are bigger than, you know, putting a few more dollars in the guy's pocket. If you're listened to and you feel like you have worth at a place, and I just felt like I was part of that team and, and really part of, uh, you know, I felt like it was my place. And unfortunately, I, I couldn't advance there because everything was kind of set. That's when I went on to this other restaurant that I was telling you about. But that's where I caught the bug, you know, and I thought it's a real simple business, you know, it's, it's making people happy. And, and it's that instant gratification of your, even when you're a busboy or a server and just watching the look on people's faces at a table when they sink their teeth into something or when they have a perfect drink or, or whatever it is, it's, you don't have to wait for it. You know, it's right there. And if it's not right, it's your job to make it better. And that is that was a challenging part of it too, and it was really fun. We'd have people that would come in, and you've seen these people in restaurants. They're just they're just mad. They just come in, and I don't know what their problem is, but they're just upset with their partner and the world and everything else. And we took that as a challenge to what we'd call flip them. They said if we could flip them and get them smiling, that was the best feeling in the world. And we would do it a lot of the time. You know, and say, I just flipped table 43, you know, and they were all pissed off and now they're not. And this kind of stuff, it's just little things like that 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 are tremendously rewarding about the business. And I think that's what people who get into the business see. And they don't spend enough time behind the double doors, as I say. So you need to go back there into the kitchen and see what's what this is really all about, then you might change your mind as to the the glamour of the business because it's it's glamorous glamorous on one side and not so glamorous in back. It's pretty intense yeah. and and you have to be uh, prepared for for both of those. And I think most people aren't. You know, most people that get into the business they need to spend a month in the kitchen and yeah. then then they'll know. And, and if 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 they if they make it through that, if they make it through boot camp, then uh, then they're probably going to be okay. Yeah, the the glamour side. I, I've never worked in a in a restaurant before. I've always wanted to though because it just seems so romantic. It just seems like it just seems like a job I'd like to have. But I just never. I always did retail and stuff uh, when I was younger, and then I got my job in radio, so it just never really happened. But that's a great explanation for people like me who are looking at it all starry eyed. It's a lot of hard and most work. Most people too. do, and and again, if you don't get into it, if you're not, uh, you know, most people are, you know, introverts don't get into the restaurant business. It doesn't appeal to them. They're scared of things like that. But uh, those of us that like to to chat and 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 hang out, uh, it, it was just a, it was a, it was a great thing. And did I think I was going to be in the restaurant business all my life? No way. I, I thought I'd be some sort of businessman. My father was an MD. He was like, what the, what the hell are you doing down there in Columbia? You know, what's going on? You know, he just didn't ever think that would be what his son would do. But at the in the end, you know, he was fine with it. But <laughs> it took a little convincing. So you you are an, an extrovert. You're an affable guy. Um, I have written in my notes here, my, the first DGS I ever hosted, I don't know if you remember this, but it was uh, like the end of 2017. It was the last show of 2017. So the New Year's show. And you were nice enough to come in and be a guest on the show. And you brought me a saber and a bottle of champagne to open. And yes. I, I just always look back on that so fondly. I'm like, that was so nice of George to like make it a special occasion. <laughs> You'll like never that. forget your first saber 
yeah, job. Yeah, no, it's awesome. We just did it the other night for New Year's Eve. We were we were saber, and to this day, I own a saber and saber just about every bottle of champagne that that we get. And you know, I mean, was that the most fun thing you've ever it done with a bottle of champagne? Fun. I don't even remember that. Where did we do it? Where did we do? We go outside. We went we, outside. Yeah, and it took could, me forever to actually get it to yeah. work <laughs> because I'm challenged with that sort of thing. But, but oh it was my a good gosh, time. anybody that's never done that, it's just uh, you can saber with a, a kitchen knife, or there is an actual. It's like a curved blade that 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 they make to open champagne. And for those that, that aren't familiar, you just you you take the you know the foil off and and the and the cage off, and you literally behead the champagne. And there's so much outward pressure that there's no glass coming back or no no danger. You just have to watch where the top of that thing goes and go fetch it before, you know, some dog steps on it or something. <laughs> but gosh, it's it's I'm I'm glad you you brought that up because everybody I've taught to Saber said that's just the coolest thing ever. Thank you so much. You know, it, it's just a fun little thing to do, and it's kind of a celebratory thing. You're not drinking champagne usually on a Tuesday, but. Uh, we were, but we were celebrating New Year's then. Yeah. Right? Oh, how fun! I'm talking to George Mayhew from St. Louis Magazine. He also has a new podcast out called Arch Eats. Tell me a little bit about that, George. How did that come to be? Well, I went, <laughs> I went kicking and screaming down the podcast road, to be honest with you, because my 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 boss, the guy that owns the magazine, loves podcasts. His life is podcast. That surprises me because you're so great on the air. I would think it would be a natural well, step for you. Well, here's, here's the thing. I don't listen to them. I, it's not how I get my news and not how I spend my time. And some people, they're, they're all podcasts all the time. I know people that walk around their house all day and all night listening to podcasts. They listen to them on their way to work. And uh, I, I guess I just, it was fear of the unknown. I thought, I don't know anything about this. I've never done it. Um, I've never listened to one. I said, I'm the last guy that should probably be doing this. And, and that's what my boss said. He goes, well, you're, you know, you can talk. Just turn on the microphone and talk. I go, it's not that, you know, I'm also self-conscious. I want to make sure I'm saying something that's reasonably interesting or I don't want to do it. So anyway, um, I was uh, convinced or coerced. And uh, uh, I said, you know, I, I, I will do it, but I'd really like a co-host. I, I don't have the confidence to pull this off by myself, to be quite honest. And um, and for people that know me, they go, I find that hard to believe. But it was true. And so I said, I would love to get a female co-host. Uh, and I know, you know who it is exactly. And it was Cheryl Bear who was working at the RFT, who's... I wouldn't call her my equivalent because she's a she's a critic. I'm kind of a dining editor. We kind of work different sides of the dining spectrum. But she's uh, extremely well-respected, a great critic, a great writer, nicest person in the world. I said, there's nobody. I said, she'll be great. Anyway, we did a we did a pilot and 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 the guy that um, we, we cut the, the pilot and the guy that was helping us was a a podcast consultant, he goes, you guys did that in one take. And he goes, I've never had anybody do it in one take. You guys are, you'll, you'll be just fine. So that was a nice vote of confidence. So we're about six episodes in. We do it every other week. And, um, you know, we're, we, uh, I said, if we're going to do a podcast, it has to be different. We're a little bit late to this podcast game. It's not exactly a, a new uh, medium out there, you know, this has been going on a while. I felt like we were a little late to the party, which also was one reason I didn't want to do it. So I said, we've got to come up with a, a different angle. I thought the co-host thing was good, and that's exactly what happened. So our 
our shtick is to dig deep into into dining and kind of pick our brains as to what we know about kind of behind the scenes information. We'll tell you about where to go and what to eat and what's good, but we also, um, you know, get into the to the nitty gritty about why things are that way and uh, what you know how this developed or how this might turn out or why this turned out this way. So we um, that that's our angle, and and we we provide a lot of what I call gee I didn't know that information. And everybody that, that listens to these goes, my God, there was so much information I had. I felt like I should be writing all this down because we really try to cram it full of things you don't know about the local restaurant scene. That's the that's the bit. And and so far it's worked. Um, we were able to break some restaurant news last uh, with the with the last episode. Uh, ben Paremba graciously allowed us to um, break the news of him opening. You know, he's 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 moving his three um, botanical heights uh, uh, restaurants over into the Del Mar Maker District, and then he decides to open two more. So he's going to have five restaurants over there opening in 2024 on a small strip of, of Del Mar between Union and Kings Highway. And when we talked to him, he hadn't told anybody about this, and he goes, I'm going to let you guys break the news. Anyway, it leaked out a little bit before then, but we had a whole lot of great detail about these two new restaurants that nobody else had on our podcast. So I go, man, wherever we go, we're setting that bar kind of high. I hope we can continue to break news because that's what people, there was a whole ton of people that knew about it and consequently listened to it. And there were, you know, we had, you know, three times the number of listeners on that episode. So we're, uh, we're, we're challenging ourselves, but you know what, you know, as, 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 as reluctant as I was, I'm having a good time with it and it really is fun. And, and Cheryl is, she's kind of like you, just easy to talk to. We could just sit and chat all day but yeah you guys are sounding really good and cheryl has an amazing voice i'm like man she's gonna come take my radio job over here (laughs) (laughs) she's just just you know just the nicest person people will say george you're a nice guy but oh my god that cheryl she's incredible so i think we're a uh i know we're a good team and and i hope this thing uh you know uh takes off and you know, podcasts are tough. They're they're hard to get traction. They're hard to get rolling. It's hard to get the, the, the word out and to get people to listen. And I don't know any of those. I just know we're pushing the heck out of it. And everybody that listens to it seems to like it. So if there's any naysayers out there, let me know and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll track them down. When we come back, part three of my interview with George Mayhe from St. Louis Magazine. And now part three of my interview with St. Louis Magazine dining editor, George Mayhe. George, I wanted to ask you, where do you think St. Louis stands in the culinary scene in the entire country? You know, uh, in a lot better spot than most people think we we should be in. You know, they think we're some flyover city and nobody pays much attention to St. Louis. And it's been that way for decades and decades and decades. And, you know, uh, it probably... It's less than 20 years ago, uh, all of a sudden we started to get some some traction and some recognition. Gerard Kraft won a James Beard Award and everybody's going, who's he and St. Louis and what's all this about? And then Kevin Nashon won one, uh, the same award two years later. And then people start saying, St. Louis, well, this, is, this must be something going on here. And, every, and that kind of, it's like a snowball rolling down a hill. All of a sudden we're attracting some really good chef talent from around the country who's who want to be a big fish in a small pond. That's a big attraction for St. Louis. You can open up a restaurant here for a third of what it costs you in Chicago maybe mm. and, and get a lot more, you know, uh, uh, recognition from people. So I, I think, you know, once the, once the, we started to get some, 
some uh, notoriety, uh, it, it just fed on itself. So, and to this day, I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, oh, yeah, we got a great restaurant town. There's a really a, a great amount of ethnic restaurants here, too, that people, you know, some of these really kind of, you know, places in neighborhoods that, like, I never even heard of the neighborhood, and I've never heard of this place, and it's like the greatest place ever. And uh, there's a Tacos, Tacos La Jefa have you been down there yet? I it's not. down on Merrimack Street, and their tacos are so good. And it's way down. I think it's in Dutchtown, which is a lot farther south than I usually travel. But you know, these kind of uh, uh, you know, it's almost like a uh, it's just almost a counter, you know. And it's just got like the best food in town. It's like this is like the coolest place ever, and most people never get to experience that. So that's the kind of stuff that that we like to write about, and and that St. Louis is kind of. Um, you know, people that come here go. This, this, this is an incredible culinary scene here. I mean, from big cities. There's, there was a guy here from L.A. and and he went to Louis and he said, you know, there's nothing this cool in L.A. I go, I kind of find that hard to believe, but it was it was nice to hear. Actually, it was William H Macy who said it. Wow. And you know, we're dropping names in this show: George, <laughs> Brad Pitt, William H Macy, Claire <laughs> McCaskill. That's that's. Uh, I gotta get myself some street cred somehow. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, so St. Louis is, um, you know, the old punches above its weight uh, um, moniker is is accurate, I think. And like we were just talking about on, on the DGS, you know, there was more forty percent more restaurants opened here last year than the year before. You know, in this supposed horrible time when costs are high and labor's ridiculous and all these other, you know, woe is us. Uh, considerations and uh, it was a heck of a year and you know not all these places were you know uh, beard award or, or beard potential but you know a half dozen were really good and and those are the kind of places and and it's it's fun to talk about it's fun to write about it's fun to be involved with and and I'm just you know I, I just feel really lucky to be a part of it and people say you know George you, you know <laughs> you've been doing this a while when are you going to retire and I said I have no there's no reason to there's no I have no desire to not while all this excitement is going on and Ben Peremba opening up five restaurants in a in a one mile strip it's like what the, what's that all about that's just crazy you know crazy uh um, in a good way. And, uh, you know, the guy's got guts and, and chutzpah and, and you got to applaud that. And I can't wait to see what happens. So, yeah, it's a good time to be in St. Louis, I think. And um, all these, um, I push the downtown restaurants really hard because those guys have a, you know, a lot of people have, have fears of downtown and I understand all that, but there's still people putting in restaurants down there and a couple of them are really, really good and uh, deserve, uh, you know, d- deserve some some consideration from people that might not think about it. I said, you know, if you're worried about, you know, crime or take an Uber down, it's yeah. fine. But experience this place. Idle Wolf, it's just one we talked about a couple. Uh, what's, I saw you there that one mm-hmm. day. And uh, you know how fantastic it is. And, and everybody, you have to agree with me, should experience that restaurant and that hotel and and that museum there. It's just incredible. And it's in this nondescript 95-year-old former YMCA building that I would just drive right by. And the, the signage is minimal. It's just there's not much really, you know, it's not like this this wild, uh, incredible St. Louis architecture, typical St. Louis architecture building. It's pretty nondescript, but, boy, you walk inside and it's spectacular, every part about it. 
and I saw you there. It was the first time I walked in is when I saw you, and we were just walking around Slackjawed. It was it was insane. It's a great place. And and those are the kind of places that that a lot of people won't ever go to, and it's just a just a shame. And I'm you know I I, I really get on my soapbox and say just check these places out because it's they're just you'll you'll thank us later. Just go there. I'm talking to George Mayhew. He's the dining editor of St. Louis Magazine. He also has a new podcast called Arch Eats, where you can find anywhere you get your podcasts. George, how do you think restaurants here in St. Louis handled the pandemic? And now that we're in 2024, are things essentially back to normal? I think they're, yes, I think they're better than normal. And a lot of folks, it, it's it's different, though. I think a lot of people handled it really well. They They learned how to pivot. They managed to change their business model. Did more people survive than you thought were going to, yes. like in the darkest moments? Yes. And I think more people survived in St. Louis than, I can't, I don't know this for a fact, but I think some other cities took a much bigger hit mm. than, than St. Louis did. Why that is, I don't know. But I mean, you know, we, we know that, you know, some of these places just pivoted very well and learned how to survive doing other things or doing things differently. And some guys just didn't, and they just never figured it out. And they couldn't figure out that to-go model and couldn't quite get deliveries figured out. And they just, you know, they just went by the wayside. But uh, to answer the question, I think we're we're in pretty darn good shape. And it was shaky for a while because there was no labor. We came out of this thing, and all these restaurants, all these qualified restaurant people had gone on to do other things. They were you know, Uber Eats drivers and, and, uh, you know, doing uh, IT. uh, I know a lot of them that did restaurant IT. And they said, we're making a ton of money. We're still involved with the restaurant business, kind of, sort of, but we're making, you know, twice the money and we don't have to work weekends. Like, why would we go back to restaurants? And I get that. And a lot of that has, has, has prevailed. But a lot of people have come back because they miss the camaraderie. They miss hanging out with people it really is the social aspect of working in a restaurant just can't be beat it's you know it's 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 like a you know soap opera at sometimes but it's 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 just so much fun and and that's the part when i was a manager for so many years and an owner for so many years people come back and say that was just the best damn time i've ever had i go i gotta say the same thing you know i love writing too but the whole trip for me the whole trip has been it's just been a really great journey with a lot of, you know, a lot of ups and downs. I've, I've made money in restaurants and I've lost plenty of money in restaurants too, but you know, <laughs> I'm now I got a paycheck from St. Louis Magazine. So it's really a good thing. <laughs> what are some of the food trends that you see coming up that you're, you're really into? You know, we're going to be doing a, uh, and I haven't thought about it a whole lot, but I know that Cheryl and I want to do something on trends and trends for, for 24. And I can't think of anything that's like earth shaking, I think that, you know, there's still this incredible curiosity about plant-based foods. And I think you're going to see a whole lot more of that. I, I tried a, a, a plant-based, like, I don't want to call it a meat substitute because the guy that invented it would be mad. But it was it's just really good, and it f- totally fooled me. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm completely hooked on this stuff. And I thought, okay, this is total. Cause I mean, at first the stuff was inedible. A lot of that plant-based stuff, it just was dry and tasteless and didn't have much going on. But, um, I, I think, uh, with, with each passing month, there's just been a lot of uh, innovation and invention. Uh, a guy named Chris Bertke, um, is he's the vegan deli and butcher guy. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh somebody just wrote a story about him today, a really good story. And he's just doing 
you know, things that look like meat and taste like meat. And he's doing a, uh, a, a quote, lobster roll, in, in quotes. It's some vegan version of, and I haven't tasted it, but I know what this guy does. And he's just like this wizard. He's been a vegan for 40, for uh, 25 years. And, and he's, he's a, you know, the crazy vegan chef and he's just doing great things. That's another place that uh, it's down in the shadow of the, of the Bevo mill. It's called vegan deli and butcher. And, uh, just really great stuff. So I I, th- I think that is going to be a thing. And um, uh, you know um, uh, I think th- there'll be a continued proliferation. And and as much as the cities don't like to see them, the customers sure do. Uh, drive-throughs, pickup windows. It's amazing to me how people will wait in a forty-minute line to get a Starbucks latte. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it, but it's it's a way of life. It's forty to fifty to sixty percent of their revenue. So, uh, restaurants are really pushing to build these places and put them in. And the cities are, you know, they're it's kind of a two-edged sword. They like the tax revenue, but it it can cause some some traffic tie-ups. So. Let's talk about a couple of, I love your column, Ask George, in St. Louis Magazine, where people will write in and just have questions about restaurants. Uh, one that caught my eye was uh, asking about your favorite kitchen tool. Now, do you cook a lot? I do. I, I cook a lot. And uh, again, if you're in this business long enough, you learn to do everything. I can cook every station in a restaurant because eventually you're kind of forced, somebody's cuts themselves and you got to step in. Yeah. And, and most management training programs have you spending a month at this station, a month at that station. So you really do know what's going on. I spent a month at, at the dish station learning how to wash dishes and how to totally tra- tear down and, and rebuild the machine in case something happened. It was great training and I used it a lot. And, you know, and, and people go, how the heck did you learn to do that? I said, I, I was trained to do that. You know, it was, it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I do cook a lot. I enjoy it. Um, and, and again, just by osmosis, I picked up a lot of really great tips from some really good chefs that I worked with over the years. Most of them were, um, uh, graduates of the Culinary Institute of America, the famous CIA in Hyde Park, New York, which is the Harvard of, of culinary schools. And, and I didn't realize it at the time, but about just about every guy I worked with, I was lucky enough to work with. And these guys were all just really good and really well-trained. And I picked up, that's how people say, how'd you become such a good cook? But by what, just by watching these guys and, and, and hanging out with them. So, so yeah, that was fun doing the, the, the most interesting uh, kitchen gadget. And I, you know, some of these things get asked to me and I go, that's kind of a dumb question. But I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll try it. And cause I know what mine are. I said, you know, in, in the article, I said, I've got an old cutting board that's about three feet long and about two inches thick that I bought in 1980 at, for like, which was a lot of money back then. And I've still got this big walnut cutting board and it's my favorite thing ever. And, and so, so that's one of mine. Um, I've got a, 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 I don't know if you have one of these, Rachel. It's a vegetable chopper called a slap chop. I do not have the slap chop, but I want one. It's, and this one, mine is not a slap chop. I think the slap chop is kind of the generic name, but this this is made by uh, the Pampered Chef, and it's their food chopper, this manual food chopper. And my wife turned me on to this because I like I'm 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 cutting all the chives and the parsley. She goes, you know, you ought to slap chop that stuff. I go, excuse me, and she told me all about it, and 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 we got a, a slap chop. And uh, anyway, I use this thing every day to, to chop herbs and onions and shallots and parsley. 
family in whatever and it's you just smack it with the with with your fist and it's 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 the silliest thing ever but i i save so much time so that's that's kind of my tip of the day get a slap chop it's it's uh it, it's an invaluable tool that and a cutting board and and i've got a big uh pepper mill that i like a manual pepper mill nothing electric you just you know one of those it's probably a foot tall from Peugeot. It's it's just, it's the best pepper mill out there. And it's just, I use it every single, there's some things you use every single day, but some of these, so I, I decided to ask a bunch of chefs. I said, okay, you know, I've got my favorites. What, what do you think? And this was kind of interesting. Two folks uh, voted for an immersion blender, you know, those things, which, mm-hmm. which is an, another invaluable tool. Uh, a couple of them liked their KitchenAid mixers. Um, and Four or five said their favorite and indispensable tool is a microplane grater, you know, that that finely grates lemons and garlic and anything that needs to be zested. Uh, And I use it a lot, too. So anyway, it was one of those things that was kind of silly, but it got a lot of, you know, a lot of response. And in, in like some of these, it's like, oh, that's the dumbest question ever. And, and those are the ones that get the most traction and play. So I've learned never to say any questions too dumb not to put in Ask George. And I just do it and I cross my fingers and hope it's going to be okay. Well, George, thank you so much for joining me. I could have talked to you for another hour. I but know. I well, we could do it you. again. Yeah, we, sh- we certainly should. We I, can uh, do part two. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, George. All right. See ya. It was so great to talk to George. I love talking about restaurants. Uh, I love talking to him. He's been a friend for a long time. Make sure you check out his new podcast, Arch Eats, available anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you missed any part of our conversation today, you can podcast The Rachel Zimmerman Show, too. Anywhere you get your podcasts or make sure you have the Odyssey app downloaded. You can listen anytime and listen to KMOX anytime, too. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have an amazing weekend. Bye. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 